Welcome to From the Ground Up, a podcast about small business funding, entrepreneurship, and current events that influence them. Powered by Tenant Financial Group. So welcome to From the Ground Up podcast. We're happy to be back with you. Today, we are continuing our series of podcasts where we check in with some of our favorite franchise brands and see how they have fared in this new reality of COVID. Today, we have very special guests, Josh Wall and James Franks with Urban Air Adventure Park. This award-winning brand, an innovation award from the same group that recognizes amusement brands like Disney, the fastest growing number one in the entertainment category for two years in a row from Entrepreneur Magazine, has been growing consistently over the past several years. However, this segment has faced some big challenges. Things have certainly shifted and brands have had, had to pivot and adapt. Let's get down in the weeds a little and ask some questions you guys are wondering about and see what's happening. Let's dig in. James and Josh, welcome. Let's hear a little bit about you guys. Yeah, you bet. Well, David, it's a pleasure to be here with you and Derek. And I know James and I are excited to be here to to get a chance just to talk a little bit about urban air, but talk about business and talk about what, what we're doing. So we are a part of urban air, which is a leader in family entertainment center Enter the family entertainment center space and specifically around innovation. And so what we have, what we've really done is pioneered the indoor adventure park uh, location. So it's a family centric business and we we're, we're big believers in active play and active fun, getting kids off of devices and out from behind the TV and computer screens and, and get out there moving around, having fun, challenging themselves and uh, and doing it with friends and family. And so we're, we're very fortunate to do that at Urban Air Adventure Park. James, you want to say hello as well? Yes. Hello, David and Derek, and thank you for having us here today. Again, my name is James Franks. I'm Vice President of Franchise Recruiting at Urban Air. And uh, after being raised in a family-owned business and being in franchising since in my 20s, it's very exciting to join Urban Air as they really develop, or we really develop and build a uh, indoor adventure park nationwide that is locally owned and operated by franchisees across the country. That's great, guys. Thank you both for being here. You know, let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, the concept specifically. James, you touched on it. Uh, can you guys uh, kind of give our our listening audience a 30,000-foot overview, if you will, of Urban Air? What is it? What does it do? How does it work? Kind of give everybody a, a flavor for the Urban Air brand. Yeah, so Urban Air is a location-based entertainment center. And so we typically – so it's a brick-and-mortar franchise concept that's usually between thirty and 50,000 square feet – and everything inside of it is designed to get kids moving, playing, and having fun. And so we began as uh, truly as a trampoline park, but have migrated and, and innovated into this indoor adventure park space. So when we say we're pioneers, we truly mean it. And so getting kids off the ground, moving around, so whether that's wall climbing, ropes courses, indoor skydiving, go-karts, or immersive reality or virtual reality, you can find these activities at an urban air location. And we're fortunate, James and I have the, the pleasure and the honor to, to really help find our next generation of independent business owners who want to invest in kids through an urban air adventure park. I would just add to that with, you know, our franchisees are very passionate 
about the youth in their parks, whether it's servicing the families and the, ki- and the kids, but also their employees. And as we build the brand uh, with that, hospitality is a big part of our business. And we're really a revelation that, you know, the family entertainment segment of the business. That's great. And I, I'd also say we're trying to create value for our customers as well. And so we, we were a part of introducing our categories, very first contractually reoccurring membership program. So what that's going to do is just help an everyday uh, family be able to afford to uh, get, get their kid into active play on, on a high frequency basis. So they're getting exercise and entertainment and engagement with peer and peers and, and family, but being able to do it in a really affordable way. And then uh, the last thing I would say as well, just about the concept, again, Derek, you said at about a 30,000 foot level, we also have a business within a business with a uh, an industry leading QSR concept within our adventure park, which is the Urban Air Cafe. And so I think that's important to note as well is families can come in and they can get some. They can get some warm cooked, uh, a warm cooked meal uh, while they're playing as well. Yeah, let me uh, let me just uh, say and and congratulate you guys as one of those families that frequently patronizes the urban air locations here in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I can tell you, I appreciate those culinary skills you have and all of the attractions. It's interesting in the concept uh, like yours. Kids get burned out, you know, with maybe a competitive concept of yours, one that, you know, might have a three or four, you know, attractions with the variety of attractions that you have. My kids constantly are saying, Hey dad, Hey mom, can we go back to urban air? And it's an interesting bit of feedback from our kids because, you know, our kids, I don't know if they're unlike others or not, but you know, our kids come back to us and say, Hey, can we go back there? Uh, They don't do that with, with other concepts that might be, you know, in your niche. And it's just an observation from, you know, one patronizing dad, if you will, to your concept. But uh, it's something I thought I would just mention because it's unique uh, in that respect for us. Yeah, I, Derek, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your, you bringing your family in there. I think what, one of the aspects you're really hitting on is the diversity of the attractions set when you come into an urban air. And so Michael Browning, our, our founder and CEO, he constantly preaches the message of speed and innovation win. And I think you just gave a great testimonial of what that looks like. We at Urban Air, we're constantly looking at how we can push the envelope and build a better park. And that means diverse attractions. So when the kids come in, they're oftentimes experiencing an attraction within Urban Air that they didn't see before or they couldn't do before. Our average guest time, this is a pre-COVID, we'll have a post-COVID snapshot as well, but pre-COVID guest time was about three and a half hours. And so they were in the park and could not, in three and a half hours, they could not do every single attraction, also have something to eat and drink while they're in. And so that, that definitely is going to bring them back and they get to have a little bit different experience their next time in and then their next time in. And then in addition to that, lots of the attractions are built to challenge the challenge the child at the level that they're at and then so when they're coming back with greater frequency they push the envelope and they they try to exceed what they did the last time they were in the park and so that's really michael's vision and his heart for the innovation side of this business is to create that diversity that you were mentioning so kids are saying 
coming to urban air is very different than going to maybe something that wouldn't be as truly integrated from a, an adventure park standpoint. Yeah, Might that's be right. what we call more of like a one-trick pony. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've experienced it myself. Let's do this, guys. Let's uh, rewind the tape a little bit. I mean, 2020 is what it is, and, and we're, we're all experiencing, you know, the uh, effects of COVID. Let's go, you know, prior to Friday the 13th, uh, back in March. Let's go, you know, rewind the tape prior to that. Tell us a little bit about uh, what's been happening, you know, the past few years up until that point. What did, uh, what was the urban air story and, and how did we, how were things progressing until, you know, the, the, the COVID era hit? Yeah. So we, we were founded in, in, in 2011. So we're a nine-year-old brand, Derek, and have been franchising since 2014. But most of the time as we've been franchising each year, we've almost doubled in size each one of these years. So in in 2018, we opened up 29 new locations. In 2019, we opened up 54 new locations. Uh, This year, in 2020, this is pre and post COVID, so we'll, we can rewind the tape, but it's been still relatively speaking a good year for us. So we have opened 28 new locations this year and 13 of those have happened after COVID has hit the United States. So at the end of this year, we anticipate being about 154 units. In 2019, we had more than 20 million guests come through our parks across the country. Uh, we were certainly anticipating that number growing significantly in 2020, but but we're still very pleased as as we've we've changed the experience for our guests to make it. It's always been a clean and safe location, but to in order to adhere to the CDC's uh, guidelines we've effectively changed a couple of aspects of the the guest service experience. And so I'm, I'm excited to see when 1231 happens, what our guest count looks like for 2020. But I could wrap it all up and say it's been a very exciting ride for the, the Urban Air Adventure Park brand. And COVID certainly is an impact, but we're excited about what the future has for us. I would just like to add to, and one of the the, the foundation this brand has been built on and what Michael and the team has brought on as Josh is talking about is innovation. And one of the reasons why so many franchisees are attracted to our brand is because we're really, we're fast to innovate, but in all areas of the business with the, whether it be walk-in business, whether it be memberships, whether it be birthday parties, you should go on a Saturday and see how many birthday parties, events. And Josh talked about our our fast casual QSR restaurant in park revenue. And it's just pretty phenomenal when a prospective franchisee that's looking for, sometimes they're looking for a multi-unit operation where they can open five to 10 of something and they can open one to three urban airs. And uh, one urban air may equal five and some other brands. So they have one roof uh, where they can have a a really nice business. So it is great. And we'll talk about this, you know, the, the sales numbers and the EBITDA opportunities. But it's also they're making a difference. And if you talk to our engaged franchisees, they're very passionate about making a difference in their local community. And that's pre and post and uh, COVID as well. Yeah. So, James, tell me, I know I've seen some of the videos that Michael put out and some of the technology enhancements that you guys work through in the new no-touch environment and the, the need to sterilize. What were some of the things that you guys pivoted on and adapted to give your guests a better experience and a safe experience as your parks opened? 
I'll let Josh talk a little bit about it, but one thing that I really loved about this brand is as soon as COVID hit and before it hit, our brand was already working on a reopening process. And so we immediately went to work on that. And uh, I'll let Josh talk about some of the operations side that we really put in place. But the brand, from the time, you know, the first week when the sky was falling to everybody, to working with the landlords, to working with all our franchisees on the PPP loans, to working on a reopening strategy. Because we knew from day one, the reopening would be at different times of the year, uh, this year. We knew it would be different uh, qualifications by the local government. And our operations team went to work with that. We also did a lot of things during COVID. We rolled out a new logo. We rolled out new technology, e-commerce. Everybody's booking online. There's some things, you know, what we were already doing in labor optimization that Josh can even go into in more detail. It's changed our business forever uh, with how the franchisees manage labor. So, Josh, will you add to that? Yeah, yeah, James, I appreciate that. You hit on on several really great points. The and 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 certainly the preparation is it was heavy here. The strategy and the preparation was heavy. And so, one of the first things we did. After we shut down all 100% of our parks on March the 17th, we immediately wanted to talk to our customers. And so we sent out a guest survey where we got, we got more than 25,000 responses from our guests and asked them questions about what they would appreciate about coming back into an urban air adventure park experience. So not assuming that they would, but just saying, tell us about what you would like to see when you come back to an urban air. So a couple of things that James mentioned were part of what our customers told us. So number one, they wanted they wanted a, a hands-free uh, transaction with us. So we stood up an e-commerce platform while we were quarantined in April. And so now a guest can make a purchase on a ticket or food and beverage from their phone. Number two was they, they expected and asked for our team to be wearing PPE. Now, at the time, for most of our parks, it was not a defined requirement. Now, since then, it's a requirement in most of our parks just based on the county regulations. But that was a request that they had. So our staff, our frontline team members, needed to be wearing PPE. And three, they wanted temperature checking. So now when you walk into an urban air adventure park, your temperature is checked. Most of them you use a system that show, uh, kind of shoots a... A thermal camera at the front desk and so as a guest walks in the park they're shown in they're shown up on a television and their their temperature is shown if it goes above 100.2 a slight alarm goes off and we do a secondary measure and if they do in fact have a, a fever we ask them to leave but that's the third part fourth part is we've stanchioned the egress points around the park so guests have to walk by hand sanitizer stations. And so we all, we've always had sanitizer in our parks, but this is more frequent. We added a role on our floor team called a sanitation lead. So these were some of our best leaders on our front frontline team. We changed their t-shirts and 100% of their job was cleaning the entire time during their shift. Uh, the fifth fifth point that we did was we added uh, we added a uh, an element. So kind of kind of like when we were all kids going to a community pool, there was adult swim. And so the lifeguards got a little break. They rotated. Mom and dad got a break. They got to swim in the pool without their kids. And the kids got a bathroom break and got something to eat and kind of relaxed. And it, it 
helped to reduce the impact on the pool. We've taken that, and so every hour on the hour, we play the Cupid Shuffle. So it's a fun little song. Kids get, everybody gets off of the attraction and does the dance, does the Cupid Shuffle. And then our team, outside of the sanitation leads, they clean every aspect of the attractions that they can during that time. Then lastly, every single one of the harnessed attractions, every single one of our bumper cars, our go-karts, the single-use attractions are cleaned after every single use. And so all of that to say, we asked our guests what they wanted. They told us what they wanted. We delivered on it. And then in our net promoter score surveys and our CSAT surveys, they're, they're rewarding us based off of cleanliness. So our latest in October of 2020, our cleanliness scores on the CSATs were 4.6 out of 5. That would have been impressive in a pre-COVID state, but where everyone is so just emotionally attuned to cleanliness in a post-COVID state, we're very pleased with where that number is. Awesome. So let's shift gears a little bit that you guys have done a fantastic job of kind of painting the scope of how you've adapted during this time of pre-COVID. But I'm going to I'm going to look to my co-host, Derek, and throw a question to him and, and you guys can follow up with this uh, same question. How is obviously this has changed buying behavior when we think about financing businesses, right? Whether it's a franchise or independent business or whatever, this environment has changed and evolved the behavior of our, of our clients. Derek, what have you seen on your side? And then same question to James and Josh on the buying behavior of your uh, investors. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. You know, our typical process, when people come to us, uh, they're referred to us from franchise brokers, business brokers, franchisors, independent agents, uh, commercial loan brokers. They, they come to us from all across the buying spectrum. And, and our typical process is three half-hour, 30-minute uh, consultation sessions. And what I've noticed Initially, you got to understand, I mean, when, when the COVID, you know, bomb went off, you know, back in March on the 13th, everybody stopped. Everybody was, you know, midstream in the investigation process, looking to buy brand X, Y, or Z, and they stopped. Okay. So nothing, literally nothing happened for 45 days. It just, the, our business, we just stood still. And we got a lot of operational things figured out in our company. And, and so we took advantage of the time that we had, but nothing happened. And so since then, I would say buying habits have changed in that our consultations are much longer today. We spend a whole lot more time. Our average consultation, which was, you know, 30 minutes or maybe a little less pre-COVID, Today, it's not uncommon for us to spend more than an hour, approaching an hour and 18 minutes with, with our clients. And so, and that's just in one consultation. So, so people are looking and investigating much more. They're doing much more homework than they were before. A lot more questions because there's so much trepidation. There was so much, you know, people were so tentative as to what the future looked like. And that's natural. It's natural human behavior, I think, really. So many unknowns, people took their time, and we're seeing that today. So there, everybody slowed down. They asked a lot more questions. We spent a lot more time, which we're happy to do, because we happen to be in the business of helping people make good decisions. And if that takes a little bit more time, that's fine. 
You know, it's, it's not about pushing people through a process and, and getting to an end result with us. We would rather they make a good decision, really however much time that takes. And so we're spending a lot more time on the phone. We're doing a lot more Zoom calls. We've all gotten really kind of used to Zoom calls and we're doing things more, you know, face-to-face with technology now than we, than we used to. And so it's a little bit more personal. In, in terms of the interaction that we have with clients. And so deal speed and deal volume, you know, collapsed initially, but now deal speed and deal volume is getting more, you know, I won't say it's back to normal per se, but it's, it's beginning to resemble something that we're used to seeing. And so, you know, most of what tenant financial group is doing today are, you know, these service-based concepts, uh, which, which is, it, we're emulating 2009 again, as we've come out of, you know, the financial crisis, we're kind of reliving that same, that same life in a sense in our business, because we're going to, back then we saw a whole lot of service-based concepts. Then we saw inline units. Then we saw your freestanding units and in that order. And that's kind of what we're seeing again, uh, to a greater or lesser degree. And so, uh, I fully anticipate, and I've told our our team here that you know the Q4 we should fully expect to do six months worth of business in just Q4, and that's truly what we're seeing. Before we hopped on the call, one of our admin people told me uh, the number of deals that are that are going out uh, this week, and it and it's fully 25 percent more than we were doing you know pre COVID. So. We are seeing a lot more deals, but they are slower to their, you know, through their progression. Does that make sense? That's kind of what, it's kind of the way it's been. And I think some of that's natural. I mean, it's natural human behavior to kind of slow things down, given the degree of trauma we've, we've all lived through. Yeah. Josh, what have you guys seen? I appreciate that. I, I think very similarly to what Derek was describing. So I think all of us would agree that uncertainty creates fear. And so we had such a strong push right in into March with a lot of very certain candidates that wanted to invest in, in an urban air and then go through the development cycle. A lot of a lot of our lending partners had just increased their exposure to new urban air loans. And so when when COVID hit the states in the big way in the middle of March, they all said they all hit the pause button and suddenly that created the uncertainty in the market, which then created the fear. I, I think as we've pressed forward, it's given us the the opportunity to really uh, dial in and talk to entrepreneurially minded candidates who are are thrilled at the opportunity. They're not don't don't get me wrong. They're not excited that COVID has hit the shores of the United States and has impacted us the way that it has. But these are these are positive business leaders, women and men who are saying, look, I know I can be successful in this concept. And this opportunity, COVID, is creating an opportunity for real estate that they didn't have in February or January of 2020. And so suddenly they're looking at this and saying, I'm going to be out positioned in the marketplace if I wait. But if I invest right now, I'm able to take advantage of the commercial real estate opportunity and and put my urban air adventure park in position to be successful for years to come. On the financing side, if when we've when we've worked with our direct lenders and our lending partners consistently, they all look at us and say, 
your business model is sound. And we're excited about what the future looks like for us. I think so much of these these decisions, to Derek's point, very similar to what we all walked through in 2009, the, the underwriters at these lending institutions are making very conservative decisions right now and are waiting for some, some greater market stabilization. So I think the communication with lending partners, franchisees, and landlords has increased materially like this is i spend most of my time james spends a significant amount of his time as well just checking in and seeing what has changed in the status and to derek's point more and more of lending partners and landlord partners and and franchisees they're getting warmed up and so we just signed two new agreements in this past month and so that brings us up to 18 new franchise agreements signed james and his team have signed this year in 2020 and 13 of those have happened since COVID hit us so these are these are leaders who see hey the sun will rise again and i'm going to be successful in this business now i've just got to find the best location and and warm up my lending partner to do business. James, what would you add on to? Yeah, I, and thanks, Josh. And just kind of to build on what Derek said earlier about the process, and he's there to help people. We, we look at it the same way. Our franchisees come to us because we can be a vehicle to help them achieve their goals in their life. A lot of them are looking to diversify their portfolio. A lot of them may be their first business. Ultimately, we have a process in place for them to actually learn if this is the right opportunity for them and if it's right for us. And the cool thing that we're hearing, we have total empathy for people that push the pause button. And it's really funny. It's more and more of those pauses are starting to engage again and say, hey, I'm believing. But we also, as Josh said, we did 13 new signings during COVID. And those folks, the, the cool thing about Urban Air today, if you can build a, on a positive of COVID, is if you sign a franchise agreement today for Urban Air, you're not opening for 18 months. So that is the great opportunity. As Josh said, we, we're getting in the front of the line. We're creating opportunities for the real estate because our boxes, our sites are 30 to 50,000 square feet. And because so many real retailers may be changing their business model, it's created opportunities for us on the real estate side. So we're able to get in the front of the line and negotiate those leases and be able to be ready as the United States comes out of COVID. The exciting thing that we're seeing of, and I forget the exact number of parks that we opened during COVID, uh, Josh said it earlier, but I was talking to a franchise the other day and he's like, I'm just wondering if they would come and they came and they uh, were at capacity of what they were able to do by the local government. And uh, we're able to manage that, and, it, and they continue to come. So that's exciting, and that just you know reconfirms what the future looks like for the business. Yeah, yeah, I hear you loud and clear. What uh, James, just to kind of follow on to that and keep you talking here a little bit about uh, the the franchise buyers. I'm sure you interact with them daily. Are there misconceptions about Urban Air, or, or you know, since so much the earth has kind of shifted under your feet here, you know, are there misconceptions? And if there are, what might those be? Yes, uh, and that's thank you for asking that question because it's when we interact with our franchisees, they're in the local market every day building their business. And while they may have capacity 
limits and different things with the business. Our franchisees are back. Their customers are coming back. They We just had a huge membership promotion last month nationwide, and we broke some really good records with franchisees selling memberships. So the information is there. And I think what happens with a candidate is, oh, I'd love to take a look at that. But once COVID's over with, because you guys are affected so much by COVID. And we did. I mean, it was a, I mean, we shut every park down in March and we were still in the, the April. We signed six franchise agreements with all parks shut down. So new franchise agreements and because of the future. So there is some misconception. I'll let, and I'll turn to Josh, too. But of the reality of the business, our franchisees are opening back up. We haven't had a park closed. We haven't had a default on a loan. Our existing franchisees are still opening new parks. And it's probably the biggest compliment you can have for the business. I would add on to that that, so we've opened 28 parks this year, 17 of those since COVID reopenings began, uh, essentially June 1st. And so we've, our team's been very busy, but our franchisees, we were helping to get that. You talk about uncertainty. You talk about someone who's invested $2 million in adventure park and we're building out their park during a quarantine but such a blessing god got us so good when these parks would open up guests were so starving for activity for their children these grand open parks have performed very well even to the extent that so we break everything down to an average revenue per day and our our brand new grand open parks that we've opened since uh, June 1 are, are essentially outperforming our reopened parks by, by typically about 30 to 35 percent of top line average revenue per day. And so we're certainly pleased by that. And that, get, that breeds a lot of confidence with new park owners saying, now, now I'm excited to open up my park. And, and so just for example, we just greenlit a, a park in Austin, Texas that will have indoor skydiving, uh, down in the uh, southwest B Cave area, and I, I can tell you, we are we are so excited about that project, and they're confident they're going to be successful when they get open, and and so that's that piece starts to build confidence and reduces that uncertainty, reduces the fear, and then just gives entrepreneurs the chance just to get out there and win, and build confidence in their their customer base. But yeah, there there have been misconceptions, but. Our whole business, our, our whole, I mean, Michael's entire time of owning and operating and developing this brand is about confounding expectations. And we continue to do that in a post-COVID environment. That's what leaders do. And Derek, uh, one other misconception that actually was even pre-COVID, if a, if a market has uh, already opened a lot of parks with urban air, a lot of franchisees say, well, I'm out. Uh, it's I, the, Your market's sold out. Over half of our franchisees are what we call remote owners. And with our remote ownership program, and I want to clarify this, this is not an absentee ownership program. Our top franchisees that are remote owners are very engaged. And because of our systems, our processes, our technology, and, and when I say remote ownership, they can usually get to there by car or plane two to three hours. And uh, that's a huge benefit for our franchisees to go in and be part of opening new markets and uh, live in uh, markets that they're not based in. 
that really speaks to the quality of the concept right there. I've been in franchising for 10 plus years and that's kind of rare. That's cool stuff. You touched on timelines, right? I think I heard 18 months is the typical, uh, you know, start to finish tip to tail timelines. That's a pretty, pretty broad timeline. But what I hear in that is some real opportunities to invest in this now while the, the picking's good to use a, a farmer term. <laughs> and jump into something that you hopefully will be past all of this craziness that's going on. Josh, give me something on that. What does that mean to you guys? Yeah. And, and to be fair, I would say 18 months, uh, believe it or not, this isn't always a, a, a strong uh, point, but 18 months is, is really on the shorter side. So it's about 18 to 24 months. And our, our locations, because of the size of them, so again, they're 30 to 50,000 square feet and some as high as 65 or 70,000 square feet. These are, these are not uh, common places for business. So very, very different than a, a 12 to 2,500 square foot inline shopping center space. So it takes, it takes time to really find out where our inventory opportunities are within a particular market. And then we don't want our franchisee to make a mistake on market positioning. So we want to be, we want to be selective and choosy. So we're helping them be as successful as they can be once they're open and operating. So we do take our time, David, and we are, uh, we're selective and we use the, the market driven analytics to help us with that decision making process. But our franchisee is walking with us through that process, regardless of where they are, and helping them to make the very best decision for them and their and their family. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I've got you know I'm a finance guy. I've I've been financing small businesses franchises for for 20 years or more, and so I'm curious because I know how much the financing world has shifted under our feet in this COVID environment. How has that affected you guys? How are people financing these things? What's changed? Can you guys kind of, you know, give our listening audience a sense for, you know, what's happening today versus maybe what, you know, pre-COVID was was going on? Yeah, so we are kind of, we're put into the broader category of family entertainment in the commercial real estate space. And frankly, we, we should be there. That's uh, That's not an unwarranted category for us to be in. But this is, unfortunately, we're, we're kind of being pulled into just the larger uh, impact to movie theaters, gyms, and, and retail uh, in general, rest, and the hospitality, excuse me, as well. So, so, so kind of a public gathering, Josh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but kind of a public gathering concept. Is that, is that what you're describing? That's right, Derek. Yeah. So, it, so the assumption, I think, by the county, by the by the state government and to a certain extent some customers is that well if urban air is successful by bringing people together to have fun in an active play environment don't we want to keep them away from each other once they're they're outside of their home and i think the answer to that is yes but we have to do that safely i described some of the processes we're going through so if I'm a, an underwriter for a direct lender, just to come back to your question on the financing, I think I'm making several assumptions or generalizations that take me down that path. And so they, they say, regardless of the economic performance of an urban air concept, which is quite good, 
they would look at that and say, and also regardless of the strength of the borrower. So again, for a $3 million plus investment, which is what you can expect with a typical urban heir, you have to have a, a certain amount of financial strength. And so strong personal balance sheets are a must. And so when, when James and his team recruit and, and bring in new franchise candidates into the system, these are, these are leaders that are strong financially. So if I'm an underwriter and I'm looking at Regardless of the performance of the system and the strength of the borrower, I'm, I'm letting this unknown fear-driven aspect drive my, my decision to hit pause on the lending or underwriting process or put such an unattractive term sheet together that might cause the borrower to second-guess whether they need um, capital outside of their own, own supply or not. So, sorry I didn't articulate that very well, but it, but essentially it just creates the bar. It just makes the borrower second guess how they want to capitalize their investment. So, do they want to use their own personal fin uh, finances, use their liquidity, and tap that out to put all of their money into it, or do they want to balance that risk with their own their own equity injection and then borrow against that? It's just making them second guess that, Derek, and that's. And that's creating some, it slows down the process and lengthens the process and you have more heart-to-hearts with, with your direct lender and your lending partner. So they fully understand the performance and the precautions that we've put in place to ensure a very safe guest service experience within Urban Air. James, what would you add on to that? No, I think that, you know, the lending has definitely changed as Josh has said for short term. Everything's positive that's happening. The franchisees, the lenders are very conservative. And what our new franchisees that are coming on board today and what they just shared just simply a couple of weeks ago is they believe by the time they're going to get financing, when they get their lease signed in six months, seven months from now, that will be in a lot better shape in that aspect. So that that is a question that everybody has and then how they address it is kind of dealt with their personality too, right? Some folks are, okay, let me see how this shakes out. Other folks, I want to get in the front of the line and I want to be aggressive and uh, be a part of this uh, now is what we're seeing. Yeah, that's phenomenal stuff. Not without its challenges, but it sounds like things are, you know, as I mentioned in the opening segment, you guys are, are winning awards and and uh, still tracking and and I think that this is worth mentioning, and I'm going to give you a second to talk about the leadership, uh, Josh, as we kind of wrap this up. But it sounds like there's some really strong guidance from the franchise award that are helping guide the franchisees. What would you? How would you direct that? How would you answer that question? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. I, I think I, I think the Michael is he is a driven visionary leader. Um, who's who's quite humble and wants to surround himself with people who have special specialties and experience that he may he may not have. And so with his so I'll start with just our capital partners are significant. So in 2018, Michael recapitalized the business and brought on some partners of his that have helped really up the up the game with attracting strong leaders to come in to the and, and help build out the concept here so and so that starts with jay thomas who's our chief operating officer with 30 plus years of operating six flags uh, park so really understanding the adventure park experience and how to create that most 
cost effectively uh, for our franchisees. And then, then we look over at uh, Jessica Correa, who's our chief marketing officer with stints both with Royal Caribbean creating great hospitality experiences and most recently Planet Fitness, uh, another large box uh, franchise company that she helped take public. And so Jessica has incredible experience building out strong national brands that will help do the same thing here at Urban Air. Uh, Scott Perry is our chief financial officer, and Scott has 12 plus years at the helm of, of, of Sport Clips, one of uh, the hair salon business's uh, great franchise brands. And so Scott has experience helping to grow and help uniquely um, help franchisees understand their accounting and finance to, to really help them improve on their business. And Stephen Polazola is our general counsel and was a part original partner in this business has helped build out the structure of Urban Air to continue to help protect franchisees' interests from a liability perspective and, and really a security standpoint. I've got my experience, I've got 18 years experience in franchising and a lot of that with, with Christian Brothers Automotive as a partner and chief development officer helping to grow that brand. And and so Michael Michael brought me in to help kind of streamline some processes and help grow our franchise relationship. And then I, I want to brag on James Franks here because he, he probably will not do it himself. But James has 25 plus years of, of franchise development and recruitment experience in leadership positions. Uh, starting out with great brands like Neighborly, Duncan Brands, and then helping to uh, to start up brands like Red Mango and 1-800-Flowers. When they got into the franchise space, they called James Franks and said, we need your help growing this brand through a franchise process. Bottle and Bottega, and so he helped grow that brand, and then most recently at Yogurtland as well. So he's got great experience in home service and QSR, really helping franchise candidates walk through a process to, to really understand if urban air is the best fit for them or not. And so I say all that just to say, and there's, and there's great leaders, Top Golf and Dave and Busters and uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and, and several other restaurant fast casual concepts. So Michael has curated this leadership team that's really focused on multi-unit ownership and franchising and then also strong hospitality brands to help us really create the experience to continue to innovate and lead the Family Entertainment Center business. You mentioned Entrepreneur Magazine has rated us the top entertainment franchise for two years in a row and uh, number 80 overall and their Entrepreneur Franchise 500. And then most recently, we were awarded the so on Franchise Times, uh, top 200 plus list, we're, we're listed at 235 out of, out of 500 plus brands. And we moved up 81 spots between 2019 and 2020. That's because of those, the incredible growth and interest in urban air and bringing urban air adventure parks to, to new trade areas and locations all around the country. So. We've got a lot of work still to do, David, to continue to because none of us are none of us are happy with where we're at. We're we're excited. We've we've hit some some awards, but we we've got work to do with our franchisees existing and and our new franchisees to grow. So there's so much ahead of us still yet to do, and and it's just it's amazing to see what's been done 
and then what we're cooking, yeah. <laughs> what we're working on, and what's ahead of us. It's quite a lot to be excited about. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I've I've watched you guys, Josh. I've known you for a number of years, and and I, you know, and I've watched you guys grow, and and it's been so intriguing, and it's been so much fun. Really, is kind of being on the sidelines and and cheering you guys on as 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 you've grown over the years. You know, great concept, wonderful people fantastic ideas you guys just truly lead the industry what i wanted to maybe kind of finish with and and i'll toss it to you james you know urban air is a a wonderful concept it's truly industry leading and it's and it's so fun having you guys on here to tell your story like you have and i and i thank you for your time but you know how can how can folks learn more we've got a, a a significant listening audience and you know you'll find this 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 podcast across all the various platforms you know, as so as they tune in, they've listened now for 45 plus minutes. How do they learn more, James, about, uh, you know, urban air? Where do they go? What do they do? Who do they contact? Can you can you kind of give them a, a, a sense for that? Yes, Derek. And first of all, thank you guys for hosting us today. It's been a lot of fun. And I would love to visit with folks about the urban air franchise and network. It's urbanairfranchise.com. And yeah, and, and reach out to James and he and his team can help really walk through a process and, and try to understand if entrepreneurship is right for you. And then, of course, if Urban Air, if the, the answer to that question is yes, then try to find out if Urban Air is the right fit for you. So, David, Derek, it's been a real pleasure to, to visit with you. And thank you so much for the interest and the questions about Urban Air and what we're doing over here. Awesome. Thanks again, guys. Well, it sounds like you guys have a superstar team, a superstar concept, and are going in the right direction, leading your uh, franchisees where they need to be. Well, once again, as we wrap up the show for our audience, we really appreciate everything that you guys do for us and reaching out to us about uh, content ideas. This is the spirit of this podcast sponsored by Tenant Financial Group. It's about just, you know, business opportunities and things that are going on and ways that we can expose you guys, our listening audience to uh, new opportunities that are out there and keep you updated on what's going on. We thank you again for tuning into this episode. We look forward to catching you on the next one. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. 